This classic Encounters podcast is brought to you by Encounters North. To learn more about our podcast videos and projects and to support our work, please visit EncountersNorth.org. Hi, I'm Richard Nelson for Encounters, a program of observations, experiences, and reflections on the world around us. beautiful and charismatic of all the wild animals of North America is the bighorn sheep. In Alaska, a white sheep known as the doll sheep. On this day up in the far north, I've gotten myself very close to a group of them, and that's why I'm talking so softly right now. Ooh. This is one of those days that the word bluster was invented to describe. I am perched high in the mountains above the Alaska Highway, close to the border between Alaska and the Yukon Territory. Have hiked with my friend for about two and a half hours up into very, very steep, rugged, powerful mountain country. Surrounding me right now at an elevation of about 3,000 feet above the highway, which I can see far off in the distance, a little ribbon cutting through a valley that is completely clothed in boreal forest. And surrounding me now is a cirque, which is a sort of a blind alley, a dead end valley that comes into a surrounding area of mountain walls. These mountains are very, very sharp and jagged. And at the head of this cirque is an almost vertical amphitheater of steep, gray, rocky, lifeless mountains. And clinging to less steep parts of that back of this mountain cirque are bits of a now vanished glacier. What remains of the glacier is like the biggest gravel pit you've ever seen or imagined in your life. Probably uh, half a mile long, 400 yards deep at its center, a quarter of a mile across, just a mass of gravel and rock that was left here by the now vanished glacier. The glacier and the mountains are not why I'm here today. I came up here looking for wildlife and passed just to about a hundred yards back one really interesting uh, little colony of animals called hoary marmots one of the largest members of the squirrel family. Grizzled, gray-colored, like a groundhog, only a lovely, lovely gray color. An animal that loves the high Rocky Mountain country. And right mixed in with it, Arctic ground squirrels, another animal of the mountain and tundra country. But then, coming up over a, a grassy brow, we 
looked just ahead and saw something completely unexpected. A group of mountain sheep. And at that moment, the object of our quest changed to something that we hadn't anticipated at all. I'm now standing probably about 75 yards from a group of six mountain sheep. And these are no ordinary mountain sheep at all. It's a group of rams, of great, big, impressive ram mountain sheep. Three of them are nested in a meadow. The whole area around us is mostly gray rock, scree, mountain walls, boulders, and then mixed in among these swaths of rock are lovely mountain meadows, scrubby vegetation, dryas, which is a small flowering plant long since gone to seed with little puffs of cottony seed. There are dwarf willows about as tall as your index finger, little dwarf fireweed grasses, sedges. It looks like a pasture, and a pasture is exactly what it is for these mountain sheep. Three of the mountain sheep, as I mentioned, are lying down, and the other three are grazing peacefully on this meadow, one of them moving actually in my direction. The reason I'm talking softly is because I think they're close enough so they could hear me, but perhaps they'd hear me very easily if it weren't for this wind, this bitterly cold wind of 35 to 40 degrees that's blowing right in my face, and the sheep are straight up wind, and that's why they're not able to hear me speaking. Mountain sheep are very, very sharp-eyed animals, and so I've got myself in a little bit of a swale here, almost like a ditch, and I'm peeking up over this ditch. The three rams that are lying down are all looking straight my direction, so I have to just keep it so my head is all that shows above the mound of green tundra vegetation just ahead of me. The others are grazing in my direction, and I could imagine the whole scene changing quite abruptly if one of those sheep, which has now disappeared in a bit of a gully between where I'm standing and where the other sheep are lying down, if that one comes up over the rise in front of me, it'll see me immediately, and the rest will undoubtedly make tracks for somewhere else. Mountain sheep are an extraordinarily well-adapted animal to the variety of habitats in mountainous areas of western North America. They live from the driest, hottest desert floor of southern Arizona and the Death Valley in California on up through the Canadian Rockies, up into the high elevations and the high latitudes like the one where I am right now, which is about 60 degrees north latitude. They also extend down in the mountain areas into northern part of Mexico. Oh, another of the uh, sheep that was lying down is now standing. They all seem completely unaware of me, although they keep looking in this direction. I was afraid that when I started to talk they'd hear me, but the wind is probably whistling in their ears just as it's whistling in mine right now. The male mountain sheep is sort of famous as one of our great charismatic North American animals, famous for the massive horns, the massive curved horns that come up out of their forehead 
and curve out and down and around in a complete curl, 360 degree curl in the older animals. Each year of a mountain sheep's life is marked in annual rings. This is the very beginning of fall now, so their growth will start to slow. And as it does, the summer's spurt of growth is offset by a slower growth in those big horns, and it makes these rings. The age of sheep can be told quite easily by this rim of horn that goes all the way around, its big circular horn. The full-grown male mountain sheep will be about 11 years old when it achieves full circle growth in its horns. All three of those mountain sheep that were laying down have now stood up and moved quite quickly down into the low spot that separates me from the sheep, so I can't see them now. I can only imagine that they are coming in my direction. Females also have horns, but much smaller and slightly curved horns that are, oh, maybe a foot and a half or so long. These North American wild mountain sheep are related to the domesticated sheep that we're familiar with. About a half a million years ago, some primitive sheep, similar to the Marco Polo, the wild Marco Polo sheep of Central Asia, apparently migrated into North America across the Bering Strait. And that was the ancestor of the modern mountain sheep of this continent. As the ice age progressed and the massive tracts of glacial ice moved south out of the polar regions, the mountain sheep became isolated into two regions in North America, one here in Alaska and the other down in the northwestern United States. These sheep evolved in two directions, one into the desert bighorns and mountain bighorns of the south, and the other into a more slender horned sheep with white pelt, which is our doll sheep of the north that's found in Alaska, in the Yukon Territory, northern British Columbia, and over just inching over into the northwest territories of Canada. These are good-sized sheep, as big as, say, a large uh, mule deer weighing, say, 250 pounds for a good size mountain sheep. These animals are denizens of the very, very high, vertical, rugged, vertiginous mountain country. That's their habitat. They have a gymnastic ability to navigate safely on vertical slopes. The male mountain sheep that I have this group of seven mountain sheep right in front of me now, these mountain sheep um, stay separate from the females that have given birth to their young earlier in the summer. They come down into these gentler mountain meadows at this time of year and feed in these grassy pastures. Both the males and the females do this, but they stay separate from each other. The males and females both keep themselves in areas where there's plenty to feed on, but where they're very close to a rocky vertical slope where they can escape very quickly if a predator should happen to show up, like their arch predator in this part of the world, the wolf. I'm going to move just a little bit now, and you'll hear some clacking and clattering as I move across this 
little bit crispy vegetation because I'm going to see if I can get where I can spot these animals again. I'm creeping very slowly. Oh yeah, there they are. Ooh, I'm really close to them now. I'm moving very, very, very carefully forward and have only a, a rock to block me. I don't know if you can hear the wind whistling. Oh, 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 oh one big mountain sheep appears to have caught sight of me, a magnificent ram, pure white, as white as snow. He walks up onto a little rocky prominence, leaps to another rocky prominence, absolutely graceful. A tremendous arch of horns coming back around the back of his head, just as white as can be, very powerful, muscled animal. Now all, oh, the wind is blowing so strong here. It's unbelievable. Now they're walking toward me. The only animal that's better at walking around in mountain country is the mountain goat. The mountain sheep, each of its hooves has a very hard outer rim, and in the center is a soft material so they can gain traction on the rock but also have the hard outer rim. I'm a little bit distracted right now because I have a mountain sheep about 40 yards from me standing magnificently silhouetted against against the mountain. I'm, I'm laying down, he sees me move and now walking casually toward and above me. I can see the muscles rippling in his shoulder and his haunch. The horns of this sheep are about as big around as a pretty strong man's bicep would be, perhaps a little bigger than that. Now standing up on a rocky prominence looking down at me. The male ram mountain sheep are famous for the battles that they have to establish dominance. Their breeding season is in November and December, but earlier than that, they begin to set up a hierarchy among them. The males, again, stay separate from the females. They only get together with the females during the breeding season. Another, another male sheep now comes into sight to my left, following the first. The leader of the group stands with his head very high. There's a certain kind of a proud look to it. Now silhouetted against a very jagged, rocky peak. The males and the females stay separate. The females give birth usually to a single lamb, and they're very precocious. After just a few days, that lamb can follow its mother around on the very steep high slopes where they go to escape from the danger of predators. And then the ewe and her little lamb will join their flock again after about 10 days or so. Very soon, they get together with the others, and they form little social groups of 10 or so ewes and lambs, and also yearlings and immature rams. The little lamb sheep, which I've seen some of recently in mountains in the northern part of the Yukon Territory, very playful and they jump around, they play follow the leader, they play king of the hill. They're showing at a very early age this extraordinary grace and agility on the rocks. The adult rams are usually in groups like the one that's very close to me right now, these mountain sheep. Uh, stay in groups of five to ten rams, and they spend their summers in these alpine meadows. Now, as I mentioned, 
they establish a dominance among them, and they do it in the most amazing, spectacular way. The big males stand 40 or 50 feet apart and run at each other full tilt, get up on their hind legs and smack their heads together, smack the bases of these huge horns together. Their heads have a special double layer of bone in the roof of the skull that protects them from damage. So they do these headlong collisions, making a crashing sound that can be heard from as much as a mile away up here in these meadows if it's not blowing like crazy as it is today. So in November and December, the males get together with the females, and that's when their mating season takes place. And then they spend the winter up on the south-facing uh, slopes of the mountains where the winds expose patches of grass and forbs and low-growing plants that are their staple foods. They also will go down to lower elevations in order to gain access to minerals that they need in order to have a balanced diet. And so in some parts of the north, as along the Alaska Highway in the Yukon Territory at a place called Sheep Mountain in Kluani National Park, the sheep become very visible and will even come down close to the road. Otherwise, they're up here in these meadows, these green meadows with wheat grass and blue grasses and sedges and clover and pea vine and lupins and the dwarf willow and sinkafoil that are surrounding me now in my own little chilly bed. I now have a younger ram, the only smallish ram in this group that looks about the size of a young deer. Oh, probably 30 yards away from me, and three more following it, three more smaller rams following it. The two biggest ones went ahead, and the three smaller, actually one of those is quite impressive, are now joining that smaller ram about 30 yards away from me. It's amazing that they can't hear me speaking. They're so close. This environment in which they live is extremely harsh. I'm starting to shiver now because I'm laying right in the open. The seed heads of the grass are shaking and hissing in the wind. If it wasn't blowing like this, these sheep would hear every word I'm saying. And I'm laying in completely open sight. There's nothing between me and these sheep now except open grass. Because this environment is so harsh, if they get a really severe winter, these sheep can become weakened and they fall prey to disease. Uh, they can get pneumonia-causing bacteria. They can get epidemics that will run through these herds. Predators, as I mentioned, especially wolves up here in the north, mountain lions in the south, will take old sheep or ones that are sick. They will also take the young, of course, especially in the early months of their lives, the young mountain sheep are quite vulnerable to predators. Whereas um, the healthy ones, like these sheep right in front of me, if I were to stand and move so that they saw me, they would make a dash for the mountain slope up above them because there's a very, very steep, rocky, bouldery, precipitous mountain slope just above us. And so they can get away from pursuit. This is why mountain sheep have chosen such an extreme and harsh environment to live in. Because they're safe, because they're one of the few animals that can navigate such country as this 
There are other predators too on these animals, coyotes occasionally, bears, lynx, and eagles will occasionally take the newborn sheep or ones that are sick. Sometimes winter snows will force entire herds of, of mountain sheep to feed on just a very, very small area of range. And in some areas farther south, they find themselves in competition with domestic stock, with horses, with livestock, cattle, or with other kinds of wild animals, especially elk. Mountain sheep must have extraordinary hides. The hollow hairs of their hides insulate them well from the extremes of environment in this climate. Just imagine, I'm freezing right now in the wind here on this mountain slope, getting myself situated a little better so they can't see me so easily. I'm absolutely freezing right now in the month of August in temperature that's close enough to uh, the freezing point. I wouldn't be surprised if the clouds furling over this knife edge ridge up at the head of this mountain cirque would start to spit sleet or snow on me. There were probably over a million bighorn sheep in North America at the beginning of the 20th century and the present population of those southern mountain sheep is probably down to about 25,000. The northern sheep, these dull sheep here in the far north, have not declined much in the time since Europeans came to this continent. The main reason for the decline of the bighorn sheep, the darker pelted bighorn sheep farther south, was diseases that were introduced by domesticated livestock, loss of range to domestic livestock, and also, very importantly, hunting after the Europeans came to this country. The bighorn sheep and the doll sheep here in the north are prized animals for trophy hunters. They also have very, very delicious meat. They've been hunted by native people in North America since native people first arrived here 12 or 15,000 years ago. During that long period of time that native people hunted for mountain sheep, the numbers of those sheep remained quite large. Now, since European times, there have been these impacts and these reductions. Hunting has been very carefully regulated in more recent times, and so the numbers of the sheep are beginning to recover. This little group of now four mountain sheep has made its way to a point just about straight above me about 35 yards away and they're grazing quite peacefully in the meadow again as as far as I can tell completely unaware that I'm here I turn around and I look the other way down the mountain slope and it's, it looks near vertical I it, it actually just is amazing to me that I've managed to get up here mountain sheep must be an animal that in its evolution has had an appreciation for spectacular scenery. As I turn around now and look down into the valley, there is a cleft of sheer mountain walls on both sides, this cleft that I have climbed up. I turn and look up now, and I see these two sheep completely unaware of me. In another month or so, 
these ram sheep will start looking around the mountain slopes here for the families of ewes and lambs and they'll come into their mating season and another drama will unfold of mountain sheep. The dominant rams are the ones that get to breed with the females and the less dominant ones only get to stand by and wish until a bit later. I am shivering now almost uncontrollably and peering up the slope at these mountain sheep completely comfortable in this bitter cold weather. Three of the rams are now moving along a little ridge again about about 50 feet above me oh, they're they're huge male uh, doll sheep and their their horns circle completely around 360 degrees and as you look at them they're looking straight off to the side now not toward me but toward the side and their horns curl starting at the base at the skull uh, oh gosh probably eight inches in diameter at the base and then they just have this elegant tapering as they curl around in a broad arch that must be 20 inches across a great broad arch circling completely back around and as they look to the side the tip of their horns is out in front of their eyes if you can visualize that it's a perfect spiral the horn spirals outward and around one of them has very light almost brownish gray horns and the others are a very deep ashy gray color the whistling sound if you can hear it in the background is the hoary marmots that are famous they're also called whistlers or whistle pigs and uh, they're kind of famous for uh, for making this whistling warning sound i noticed that when it whistles the sheep tend to go on alert i'm sure that they have learned uh, that the marmot is a is an extra set of eyes for them I'm really, really pleased that I've been able to share this amazing experience in 40 years of living in, in the north. Uh, this is the closest I've ever come to a male mountain sheep. I had one other experience where I got close to a female and her lamb by perching myself at the edge of a cliff and just waiting for this sheep and her lamb to come grazing their way toward me until suddenly they looked up and there I was about 25 feet away. I took a picture of them, the snap of my camera startled them away, but never have I been close to male mountain sheep like this. These are some of the most extraordinary wild animals I've ever laid eyes on. And I think now I'm gonna try to slip as one of the sheep just appears just over the swale right in front of me. One of the great big male rams comes up and stands on top. It's probably about 50 feet away from me and peers down at me. And on either side of its head, I see this huge curl of horns circling back against its neck and the broad white chest of this animal and its goat-like eyes 
with their curious sort of horizontal pupil looking down at me. And I will now, I think, just lay here and savor these moments. For Encounters, I'm Richard Nelson. Thanks so much for being with me. I'll see you next time. Bye.